Welcome to A Journey of Transformation Empowerment. You're listening to Antonio T. Smith Jr. Where ideas ignite, change, and possibilities are endless. Before we dive into today's episode, we have something special for our listeners. Today's podcast is brought to you by a groundbreaking book that's reshaping the conversation around Black economic empowerment. It's Resegregation, Volume 1, The Power Matrix, a master plan for Black group economics with wealth creation, authored by visionary Antonio T. Smith, Jr., Antonio isn't just an author. He's a former top-secret combat special operations intelligence sergeant turned millionaire. His life work championed the economic autonomy and wealth creation within black communities. In this seminal work, dedicated to teachings of Dr. Claude Anderson, Antonio outlines a comprehensive blueprint covering critical sectors like finance, technology, manufacturing, and more. He blends military discipline with acute understanding of systematic disparity. This isn't just a book. It's a movement. A call to action to create lasting wealth and reshaping the economic narrative. Antonio's vision is clear. Drive a significant shift toward black ownership and control. Listeners, if you've ever wondered about innovative strategies for wealth creation or how technological transformation can uplift the black communities, then this book is for you. Join Antonio Smith Jr. on the transformative journey. Pick up your copy of The Resegregation Volume 1, The Power Matrix today and be a part of the reshaping future. Now, let's dive into the episode and explore the possibilities that await us. Lecture 20, John 3 through 4, The Gospel is an equalizer. All right, we'll go ahead and get started. This is last about 30 minutes, and I'll dismiss y'all. And I appreciate y'all for coming, definitely. We've been, um, let me give you a slight, just a, uh, actually, let me pray first, and then we'll get started. God, thank you for this wonderful day. Um, on this day, we are celebrating fathers. Um, we're, we're grateful for you giving us life. We're grateful for you giving us health, and we're just grateful to you. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. Okay, so if this is your first time, you're actually going to enjoy this here, especially you. You're actually going to enjoy this here. Um, I, I, don't, I don't know any, well, I guess I, I, I don't like to teach on, on a level that's not a master's level, because my, my, my objective is <clears throat> you guys can, can, can eat what I'm feeding. And so what we've been doing is we've been discussing uh, what if, right? That's the cool part. The cool part is what if. Now, the thesis behind that is what would be the message of the New Testament if it only consisted of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John? 
powerful question because you can no longer say justification by faith because that comes in Romans, right? You, you, what is the gospel? What does the gospel mean? What exactly is the gospel? How does Jesus Christ want us to behave in this gospel? What is the meaning of this gospel? Another thing that we've surprised each other with, another thing that we've surprised, Deacon Temple, Deacon Temple, Pastor Temple wants you outside. Another thing we've surprised people with is that the gospel is not salvation. Ah, that right? We, we discovered that too. Salvation is a byproduct of the gospel, but it is not salvation. So when we say preach the gospel, we don't mean your individual salvation or your collective salvation. That's a byproduct of what the gospel actually is. So <clears throat> we've done five lessons in Matthew, five in Mark, five in Luke. And we're up to two now in John, and we're going to be doing a third one today. We've covered John chapter one twice, and then we went to John chapter two in the second week, and, and we found the very good things. And each lesson gives us what the title of it is that I'm talking about. So last, and, and so and, well in Matthew and Mark, we were kind of hinting at what the gospel is, and then we, we basically, we're, we're head on steam because this is like the 18th week of what the gospel is. So that's the thing. So I want you to listen to what is the gospel. This is important. So go to John chapter 3 today. <clears throat> we're going to do two chapters this time, which, is, which I don't normally do, but, we, but, but this is important. <clears throat> two chapters. <clears throat> two weeks ago, I said the gospel is Jesus. And then one week ago, I said the gospel is grace. This week, I want to say the gospel is an equalizer. This is important. The gospel is an equalizer. This is important. John chapter 3, and then we're going to do John chapter 4. I have the English Standard Version. I'll be reading, but I want you to pay attention to a few things. John chapter 3, and you know both of these stories. One of these stories is Nicodemus. The other, in chapter 4, the other story would be the lady at the well. Okay? Everybody knows these stories, right? You got Nicodemus, and then you have the lady at the well. Everybody familiar with these? <clears throat> okay, good, good. So let's go with John chapter 3, and let's start at verse 1. Well, actually, let, let me, let's skip all this here, and let's go to verse 9 for, 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 for uh, sake of time. Verse 9. Nicodemus said to him, how can these things be? Jesus answered, are you the teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things? Truly I say unto you. We speak of what we know and bear witness of what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. If I told you these earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I told you these heavenly things? So you can stop reading right there. What are exactly are we talking about? Welcome. Well, welcome, brother. What exactly are we talking about? Here you have it in which Jesus Christ, excuse me, here you have it which um, <clears throat> Nicodemus of the Sanhedrin, Nicodemus, this Pharisee, he's high, he's super high, he's, he's high and uh, lifted up in a worldly uh, standpoint, right? He is, he is of the greatest. He, he, Jesus Christ says it himself, unless your righteousness is like that of the Pharisees, the Pharisees were the cream of the crop of all Israel. They, they knew, they did, they worked, they, they followed, they learned, they can read, most people couldn't read, they they, they, they had income. These people were the cream of the crop. And so Nicodemus has to come to Jesus Christ in the nighttime, right? Remember I said the gospel is an equalizer. If you've ever wanted something to make sense, 
here's a wonderful way. Here's a wonderful way to make something make sense. Here you have it, Nicodemus, high. He's a Pharisee, high. Then he's in the more than likely in the council of the San, Sanhedrin, higher. So he is literally <coughs> way up here, while Jesus supposedly is way down here because he's a peasant, right? He's a peasant, according to John chapter three. <coughs> he's this. He's this. He's he's not. He's he shouldn't be educated, but he can read. He doesn't have a house, right? He's not of the Pharisees. And so Jesus Christ comes, the Pharisees are way up here. So here you have it, Nicodemus, way up here. And Jesus says, listen, if you, if you want what I want, if you want what I have, if you want these things, you got to be born again. Like, whoa, whoa, how, how can we be born again? Are you suggesting I go back into my mother's womb? And so Jesus, that's a little play on words, we're born from above. And basically Jesus is saying, you're born one way, but until you're born from the Spirit, until you're born from what Christ is, when you're born what the Father is, then you cannot. And so this, this is when we're starting to step into what the actual gospel is. Let me repeat um, for a few that just walked in. What we've been doing for the last 18 weeks is we've been answering the question, what if? And basically, we, we've been trying to discover what would be the message of the New Testament if it only consisted of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Amen. And so immediately what happens is you kick out uh, justification by faith because there's only one time in the gospel that the word justification is used. It's used in the book of Luke when Jesus is uh, doing a parable about the Pharisee and the tax collector. It's only one time. And justification by faith is a doctrine that comes from the book of Romans. And so we're saying if we didn't have access to the book of Romans, what would Jesus Christ's gospels, what would Matthew say the gospel is, what would Mark say the gospel is, what would Luke, what would John, and since they're all one gospel uh, telling it four different ways, what's the one gospel, what's being said with this one gospel? Does it make sense? And so today's title, in which I'm giving to you in this 18th or 19th week, is real simple. The gospel is an equalizer, okay? So here's the deal. You have Sanhedrin. I mean, you have uh, Nicodemus in John chapter 3. I, I, he's way up here. Like, I need you to get that. Not only is it, see, see, you had the people, then you had the Pharisees who were already on top. But then he's at the top of the Pharisees, so he's way up there. But he has to come to Jesus Christ. When? At night. Interesting. Watch. Look at what Jesus Christ is doing. Look, Jesus, since Jesus is the gospel, all who were high, must lower themselves in order to get his teaching. Does that make sense? Not only does he have to go, and, and, and Nicodemus is respectable. He calls him teacher. He calls him rabbi. He understands that there's something that Jesus Christ has, but in order for Nicodemus to get it, he has to sneak and go get it. Does that make sense? All right, so this, and now watch what John is doing. So here's what I, <clears throat> what we did last week was I proved how John uses themes and chapters to prove a certain thing. So last week I said that the gospel is grace. And here's what we did. We said, and, and John chapter one, about around verse 16, it said, we give you grace upon grace. And he starts talking about Moses. Moses had this. Jesus had this. And then you get the wedding of Canaan. Right. And so here's what happens. Then the fat man or the, 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 the king of that ceremony, right, the, the, the guy the, who's owning that wedding, the rich man, whatever you want to call him, he says, wow, this wine is awesome. Normally what happens is you give us the poor wine. I mean, you give us the good wine first. And then when everybody's drunk, 
You give us the bad wine next and nobody knows the difference. But you did not do this. This wine is amazing because Jesus Christ touches this wine, this water. But that's not what John is trying to say. John's not trying to say this wine is good. John's trying to say Jesus is good. And where you had something that was awesome at first, when Jesus put his hands on it, it's better than what you already loved. I wish I had somebody. Amen. Right. And so here's how that works. So so he's putting grace upon grace. So where the law was awesome, this Christ is even more awesome. Does that make sense? Now watch how John does this again. When Nicodemus is awesome and high, he must be lowered in order to meet Jesus Christ. I wish I had somebody. Right? Does that make sense? He has to sneak to Jesus at night. He can't tell anybody he's coming. And then he must say to, he says, that he's the teacher, but he has to call Jesus the teacher. So watch what this text I just read. Listen to Jesus' response. Jesus almost hits him with, but, but shouldn't you know what I'm saying? So John chapter 3, verse uh, 9. Nicodemus said, how can these things be? Jesus answered, are you the teacher of, the, of Israel, right? Aren't you the one who's supposed to know, yet you don't understand? So Jesus is telling him, listen, aren't you the t- don't you carry the title of the person who's supposed to know what I'm saying? So not only is Nicodemus being corrected, right? That's, that's a lowering thing. Not only does he have to sneak to Jesus, that's a lowering thing. But he recognizes that Jesus knows more than him. Amen, right? And so, 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 so in order for Nicodemus to get this gospel, he has to lower himself. Does that make sense? Okay, now watch this here. Let's go to John chapter 4. Remember, the gospel is an equalizer is what we talked about today. Watch this here. <clears throat> the woman of Samaria, the lady at the well, depending on what, what you want to say. Check this out. I'm going to read from verse 1. Now when Jesus learned, and, I, and I'm going to skip it, I'm going to tell you. Now when Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus was making and baptizing more disciples than John, although Jesus never baptized himself, but only his disciples, he left Judea. Skip down to verse 7. And a woman from Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. Now watch it, watch it. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said, how is it that you Jew ask me for a drink for a woman in Samaria? Now watch this here. There's a lot that just happened here. For one, Jews should not talk to Samaritans according to the law of that day. A Samaritan is someone who has Jewish descent and mixed with something else. They, they were what they were, what we would call dogs, like real life dogs, mutts, right? You, yeah, you, you're, you're not pure, you, you're something, right? And, and, and this is a big deal for Jews because in order for you to receive the promise, you had to be 100% authentic Jewish. Why? Because of the Abrahamic covenant, Genesis chapter 12, 1, 2, and 3, that God promised Abraham that through him all the nations of the world would be saved and all those nations will come to his people and they will receive salvation, right? Does that make sense? So if you weren't of Abraham, then you weren't the chosen people. Does that make sense? Okay. And so now that you're not the chosen people, you're something else. We look down upon you. And I'm not telling you that's what you're supposed to do. I'm telling you that's what the Jews did. Does that make sense? Right. Amen. Right. But we still do it today. We, we still do it today. Oh, I'm in the church. And you, you sell drugs. We can't, you know, you know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm in the church. You're, you're homosexual. Why? Let me look down upon you. And so we still take God's promise of salvation and we still use that to look down on other people. Does that make sense? So, so don't judge them too much. 
because we still do this same thing today. But here's the deal. What's happening in this text is now you have Jesus talking. In parentheses, the first parentheses said the disciples went to go buy food. <coughs> so Jesus is by himself. And in a little bit, you're going to find out that this lady is drawing water from the well at the wrong time of day. Why is it the wrong time of day? First off, it's hot outside in the name of Jesus. Amen. There's no ice cubes. There's no Sonic's ice. Right, amen. Right, anybody was anybody alive yesterday and you felt how hot it was outside yesterday? It was scorching hot yesterday, amen. If you were alive, you know it was hot yesterday. Now, imagine that being in Jerusalem where it's hotter, amen. So, when you go to draw water from a well, you're not trying to draw hot water. I wish I had somebody, amen. So, you it's customary that you would draw water from the well when the sun is not out. She goes when the sun is nearly at its hottest, drawing well. Why? Because something about her is not accepted by normal people. And Jesus calls it out. <clears throat> she's not married, <clears throat> yet she's with a man. Now, now, already, right there, already right there is a reason for you to be lower. But not just that. She's a woman, first off. She's a woman. She's already lower, okay? And, and, and this time, you couldn't. In order for you to be lower than a woman, you had to be an animal. If you were a woman who was barren, you were even lower than that. But if you were an adulterous woman, you were even lower than an animal. Amen. Does that make sense? Okay. Now, now I'm not going to say this lady was adulterous because the text would actually say that, but she has more than one husband. That maybe that maybe maybe she's adulterous, right? Or maybe they all die. That's that's not for me to discuss. Here's the deal, though. Jesus says, I know your whole life, the one you with ain't the one you should be with, and the ones you've been with, you ain't with them no more. Does that make sense? So this lady is scum. Now, I don't mean to be offensive, but according to first century views, she's scum. Does that make sense? Okay. Okay. So Nicodemus is awesome. This lady is scum. Okay. Now watch what, watch what John is doing. Watch what, watch what John is doing. And then on top of that, let's, let, let's see if we can fast forward just a little bit. Let's go to verse, let's go to verse 13. No, 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 hold on. Jesus said, uh, go call your husband. Verse 27. <clears throat> verse 27. Just then his disciples came back, marveled that he was talking with a woman. But no one said, what do you seek or where or why are you talking to her? Interesting, right? Did you hear the text? Verse 27. Then his disciples came back and they marveled that he was talking with a woman. But no one said anything. No one said, what do you seek or why are you talking to her? Now, now there's a reason why this is in the text. Because in ancient uh, times, in this case, this is antiquity, um, and, but in the first century, uh, the world, especially first century um, eastern area, you were not supposed to talk to a woman one-on-one unless you was trying to get some one-on-one. Amen. You understand what I'm saying? Right. You, when you approached a woman, you needed to approach her with her husband or with some witnesses. Does that make sense? Yes. And the disciples, so John starts out at the beginning of this text, 
and the disciples went to get some food. And Jesus has this entire dialogue. And then on verse 27, the text says, and the disciples came back and saw him with the woman. But nobody asked, well, well, well what, does, what does he want? And why is he talking to her? So here we have it. They one-on-one. And Jesus ain't trying to get no one-on-one. Amen. Right? So they, they're one-on-one. And they're talking to one another. But this is inappropriate. This is not how life works in this particular time. And so what Jesus, well, let's, let's, let's give a little more. And then Jesus has a full conversation with this scum of the earth woman who is not of Hebrew descent, well, partially Hebrew descent, but she's not in the line of Abraham as they think, but Jesus understands that she will be, and she is, because he is the line. I wish I had somebody. Because what he's getting ready to tell her is, you thirst, but if you drink from me, you'll never have to thirst again. You understand what I'm saying? And so here we have the scum of the earth, is now being lifted by Jesus Christ Amen. because he talks to her, which whew, that made me feel good. <laughs> this, 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 this terrible person is being lifted because Jesus says, you matter to me. I wish I had somebody. And then Nicodemus is all of that, and Jesus lowers him because he says, you don't matter as much as me. Does that make sense? And so the gospel becomes this great equalizer between things to where you were awesome. You're not as awesome as Jesus Christ to where they say you're nothing. Jesus Christ says, rise up and walk. And it ought to be glad. You ought to be awesome. You ought to be excited to know that God will lift you up from your scum. Even if the world says you don't deserve it. I wish I had somebody. If you get pregnant too early, the Lord's getting ready to lift you up. I'm trying to help somebody. If there's sickness in your body, the Lord is getting ready to lift you up. If you think you all that, the Lord's getting ready to knock you down because the gospel is an equalizer. It is meant to not just give you salvation. It's also meant to make the first last and the last first. It's meant to make black folk in slavery get an opportunity to be free and run for president. I wish I had somebody. The gospel is always meant to even the level playing field. And if you think you're all that or if you think you're not enough, everybody's equal at the foot of the cross. Doesn't matter where you come from, which side of the fence you lie on. It does not matter. At the foot of the cross, we're all the same. Y'all remember Hurricane Ike? Right now here in Galveston, Texas, uh, 2008 Hurricane Ike came in September 12th, September 13th, one of those. And everybody the next day, it didn't matter if you lived on the West End and had a million dollars or if you was on food stamps, we was all waiting in FEMA lines. I wish I had somebody. It didn't matter how much you made. No electricity was here at all. You could have had all sorts of American Express and you could have had $15,000 in cash in your pocket and it meant nothing because nobody could exchange it and nobody can use it because we were all equalized by the storm. Well, there was a greater storm that came through except for this storm did not try to hurt us. This storm went to the cross for us and made all of us equal. 
So if you got generational curses, don't worry about that. That's been equalized by the gospel. If you're prone to violence because your father was, don't worry about that. You've been equalized by the gospel. If you were not born on the right side of the tracks, don't worry about that. You were equalized by the gospel. If you were born with a disease you couldn't even control on your own, don't worry about that. Because you've been equalized by the gospel. God can take you wherever you need to go, even if where you currently are is completely your fault. That's the power of the gospel. So here we have it. John's in the middle, like John opens up immediately and says, listen, in the beginning was the word and the word was God and the word was with God. In the beginning, our gospel had already existed. Let me see if I can make this make sense to you and then we'll close this out. John immediately says in John chapter 1 that the gospel already existed before sin did. Somebody missing what I'm saying. God is so awesome. God didn't create the gospel because we sinned. God used the gospel to restore us from our sin. God didn't react when we messed up. The place God had already sent us the gospel. It was already alive in Jesus Christ before we ever needed it. Does that make sense? Jesus Christ is the gospel. God is the gospel. And before we ever needed it, God already had it. That makes me feel real good. See, let's see if I can make this make more sense Old Testament style. If you go to (coughs) um, the book of, what's that prophet that got? Jonah. If you go to Jonah and you find out that Jonah was supposed to preach to the people in Nineveh. Now, the people in Nineveh were not doing right at all, and these people deserved to go to hell. Yet, before they ever repented, Jonah was already on his way. Somebody missed what I just said. Before they ever recognized that God was coming, Jonah was already on the way. And before Jonah got there, when Jonah wouldn't try to get there, God had him in a big old fish on his way to Nineveh when he was trying to go the opposite direction. Before they ever responded, God already moved on their behalf. Does that make sense? That's the gospel. The gospel is this entire overarching story that takes every single thing together, that takes the story of Israel that, and all the way to the culmination of the, of the cross and then continues on to his church. It's every single thing that God has ever done. Whether you respond to it or not, God already has his gospel. Whether you deserve it or not, God already said you're welcome to it. The gospel, in this case, in this week at least, is an equalizer. And that's important. Because if you were the last person on planet earth. And you didn't deserve God's goodness. He would lift you to him. In your filth. So you can hear the truth he has for you. Every, see none of you are here. Because you were so high you understood. The truth is you were so low you needed God to lift you. I wish I had somebody. Nobody in here <coughs> read this Bible and said, you know what, God, I trust you. That ain't the way it worked. You were getting ready to die. Your heart was getting ready to break or was broken. And before you ever understood the difference between 2 Corinthians and 2 Chronicles, you, God's love said, this you're going to accept. And you said, I accept that love. Tell me more about you. I wish I had somebody. You were not corrected to Christ. You were loved to Christ and correction ensued. The truth is, 
None of us are perfect. Whether we're good, whether we're bad, we all are going to get what we deserve. And the only reason we don't get it is because God has equalized us with his gospel. And the greatest equalization that will be, that can be, that will ever happen is that God in his perfection becomes man in his imperfection. So man in his imperfection can become God in perfection. That's the gospel. Little G God, of course. That's the gospel. God being perfect, coming down and enduring imperfection, putting on our imperfection so what is imperfect can put on his perfection, equalizing to where he was perfect, we were not, so he became imperfect so we can become perfect. That's how much God loves you. And if you ever forget it, don't ever let nobody tell you what you can't do because the gospel has equalized that. Don't ever let nobody tell you how your marriage can't work because God has already equalized that. Don't let nobody tell you you can't go back to school because God has already equalized that. There have been people doing things that have broken all boundaries, not because they were good, but because they trusted in God and God saw them through. Let me pray for you, Lord. We thank you that we are learning that you have equalized this whole thing. We've been down, we've been out. But the Bible says, every time we become at our weakest, you equalize us and you become at your strongest. God, somebody walked in this place feeling good, while others walked in this place not feeling so churchy. Either way, when we walked in here, we became equal. And so those of us who feel good will lift up our brothers and sisters because that's what you did to us. And for those of us who feel bad and can't lift themselves, you right now are lifting us up to exceedingly and abundantly above all that we can ask or think. May we receive it and may we walk out this place knowing that whatever we lack, you have. And whatever we have, you equalized and gave to us. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. When the pandemic began, I had the biggest problem in the world. Not making money. The pandemic was actually quite a blessing for me as it almost made me a billionaire. I came really close. So the pandemic was a blessing. It was hiring people. And get this, everybody. I had. 48 job positions open during the pandemic. $22 an hour with paid training. And I could not find a single person for two years to fit any of those 48 job positions. Hear me well. 48 job positions. $22 an hour. Paid training. And I couldn't find someone, not one person, for those job positions. Now, is it because I hire slowly? True. But it's because I wasn't using ZipRecruiter. And that's a fact. I wasn't getting to the right people for the right position to fit my right culture. 
And there are so many different things that you can do this summer. As a matter of fact, you can free up as much time as you want to. But if you're not using ZipRecruiter, you're probably not going to free up that time if you're attempting to hire people. So what is ZipRecruiter? What is probably the greatest job finder that's out there? And that's why you need ZipRecruiter. You need it so you can find the right candidates. Now, it's not that ZipRecruiter helps you find jobs. It's more accurately that ZipRecruiter takes your culture, takes your job, takes what you're looking for, and immediately matches them with the perfect candidate. And if the if it's if they can't find a perfect candidate, they will skip over that person and then give you the perfect candidate for you. ZipRecruiter uses one of its most powerful tools, which is the technology itself, to match the right candidates up with your job. You can easily review uh, their recommendations and easily review their recommended candidates and invite these candidates to apply for your top positions. Additionally, ZipRecruiter has a complete suite of tools that makes it easy for you to filter out, uh, review, and rate candidates. Four out of five employees uh, have been used by four out of five employers on ZipRecruiter. It is a blessing. And no wonder ZipRecruiter is rated number one hiring site in the world based on G2 satisfaction ratings as of this year, January 1st. My friends, soak up everything I said. It's not an ad. This is a personal testimony of how I found the right people to sit in the right seat on the right bus. Without ZipRecruiter, it wouldn't have been possible. So how do you take advantage of what I'm talking about? Well, you go to ZipRecruiter.com slash B2B. All spelled the regular way. That's Zip, Z-I-P, Recruiter, R-E-C-R-U. I T E R zip recruiter dot com slash B to B. And I promise you, you will be grateful that you did so. Again, that's zip recruiter dot com slash B to B. It's also in the show notes.